Okay, work with me here. Imagine two kids are in a bench press competition. Both kids are maybe five years old, and dad challenges each of them to bench press 200 pounds. One kid goofs off, insults the dad, pushes away dad's helping hand. The bar comes down and is crushing his small chest. He's not able to breathe. He finally signals the dad he needs to be rescued. And his dad bails him out and lifts the 200 pounds. The other son gets on the bench and pushes as hard as he can, grunting and gritting his teeth. He's focused on the goal, and with dad's help, he lifts the 200-pound bar. At the end, dad says, I love both of you, sons, and I'm giving both of you the reward of an ice cream sundae. Well, the second son loses it, throws a tantrum. No fair, dad. I worked hard and lifted the weight, mostly by myself. I earned the ice cream sundae. But my brother just insulted you, almost crushed himself, and then you lifted the bar for him. Why does he get the ice cream sundae? My name is Stephen. And my name is Ernie, and this is Devout, an invitation to pause and set our mind on things above. So we're in a time where we're focusing on Luke chapter 15. Let me lay out the context for you. So Jesus is standing there in front of religious folks. We have scribes and we have Pharisees. The people that dotted all their I's, crossed all their T's, knew everything they needed to what they thought to be pleasing before God. And then there's the irreligious. You had the prostitutes, you had the tax collectors, you had people that stole money from people. And Jesus is speaking to both of these groups. And what he's doing here in this parable is that he's targeting the religious people who do everything the Bible requires of them. And Jesus offends them as he draws in the irreligious people. And so in, in Luke 15, we see this picture beginning to play out. There's this story of this younger brother who runs away, takes his father's inheritance. The father welcomes him back and he throws this crazy party. And in that moment, we see the older brother get so angry at the younger brother. And he's worked himself to death and has nothing to show for it. He's the one that deserves the party, not the younger brother. See, all along he's been serving his father, not because of love for the father, but what he thinks he can get out of the father. See, he too disgraces the father by refusing the father. And so when the father throws this magnificent party for this younger brother, the older brother doesn't go in. He says, I'm not interested. I will not go in. And so the father, just like he pursued the younger brother, he leaves the party. He disgraces his name. He leaves the party and he entreats the older brother. He says, come in, all that I have is yours. See, what Jesus is doing here is redefining what it means to be lost. See, outwardly, the older brother was flawless. He was obedient. He was hardworking. Yet the older brother was just as lost as the younger brother. It was probably obvious to the prodigal son that he was lost, that he was in need. But the older son, just like the Pharisees, didn't see his need, didn't realize that he was lost. The older son thought he had earned his place in the father's house, and he thought that the prodigal son had just been given it despite offending the father. So the fallacy for the older son, the fallacy for the religious people is, I earned it, and he got it for free. The older brother thought that he had earned favor just by being physically close to his father. He had stayed in the house while the other brother ran astray. But physical proximity, just like church attendance, doesn't equate to a close relationship. And just like the Pharisees, there's a real danger for us to think that we're favored by God because, hey, we're American. We go to church regularly. We vote for the right people. We avoid the highly visible sins. 
Jesus pretty routinely put the Pharisees on blast, and some of his harshest words were spoken to them. He reminds us, he reminded them, not to judge a speck of dust in someone else's eye when we have a huge plank in our own eye. I think one of the dangerous ways we can fall into this trap is to try and rank sins and focus on which sins we think are most offensive. It's almost like comparing two people who are in debt. One guy owes $27 million, the other guy owes $29 million. If you're the guy who owes $27 million, but you're focused on the $2 million difference, you're really missing the point. But here again, the older brother is focused on that $2 million difference, saying, Dad, it's not fair. He didn't earn anything. That analogy of debt resonates with me because here is the irony. The older brother stayed home and was just as lost and alienated from the father as the younger brother was. So you can be alienated from God by either breaking his rules or by keeping all of them diligently. That's the pain of this parable. See, everybody knows the Christian gospel calls us away from licentiousness of the younger brother, but few realize that it also condemns the moralistic side of the elder brother. See, each one rebelled. One did so by being very bad and the other by being extremely good. The gospel doesn't make bad people good because goodness can keep us from God just like being bad can. The gospel, it makes dead people come to life. See, Christianity invites you and I into proximity with the Father. And I'm challenged by this parable because there's no other option but to be embraced by the Father. I can either live like the older brother, I can live like the younger brother, or I can let go of myself, let go of my identity of those two things, and lay it before the Father and allow him to embrace us. And so just like last week's episode, and the invitation for us is to come home. The invitation is to put down our goodness put down our merit, and receive Jesus's, to be clothed with his righteousness, to remember that we are defined and loved by Jesus, and we have nothing to prove because he's lavished his love fully upon us. So as I close, I just challenge you, maybe take a minute, just consider where are you defining your relationship with God by your goodness versus laying that before him and allowing the Father to embrace you. See you next time.